Vinyl here, um, Andre. This one came first. Yeah, that's Jimmy G. That's Jimmy, Jimmy G. That came first. Hey, check it out. I wrote half that album. I wrote half that album. My name is not on it. Look at it. I wrote half that album. My name is not on it. Accident? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> and then, uh... But when it came to around to do the second album, because Benny Medina, thank you, sir. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. So I, I, I suffered that. Yeah, I suffered that. I suffered with that, but I don't want to go through that with, in, in this interview, how not cool that was, because I want to keep things cool with me and George. So I won't say how bad that really was. Well, I do know that they were solid records that didn't get promoted, right? Well... I see here again, man. I was a youngster. I was told to keep either that. I didn't know what they were promoting anyway because I never felt we had a real single. Me myself, and George and his people told me that they knew what they were doing and shut up, basically. And so I don't know. I don't know what happened with that record, man. I know there were a lot of writers. I know that there were a lot of uh, songs that we did that didn't make it. I know there were a lot of songs that were given to me that were just instrumentals and I was asked to write the lyrics for. And I did. And when I started on this you put a saxophone solo all over everything I wrote, you know, or you, you, you make what I wrote not mean anything, but you need, he needed me and I came through. So I don't want to say too much more than fuck on, man. That happened. You know, thing I, 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 I might not have got all credit, or not just me. Everybody might not have get, got their just due, but that project got out. I remember one saying he didn't like the record, telling me he didn't like the record. What was I going to do? And I was like, you didn't sign a deal with me. You sold a, signed a deal with Mr. Clinton, you know. And it just turned so ugly. George's brother, he wasn't in the band anymore. He was calling Warner Brothers saying it was me talking crazy stuff. They didn't want to release the record. It was crazy, but that was family. That had nothing to do with me. You know what I mean? That was that, that family funk. Where I came in at, I thought I was, you know, filling a hole. You know, I never knew that as soon as I did that, shit. I better prove that I can really play to, to continue my career. I didn't know that. But I'm glad I found out the hard way, you know. And, and shit, what happened the next year? I know, I know you're ready. What happened after that? I know you're ready. Well, well when you, uh, when you uh, became a regular member of the uh, performing band on stage, the other guitar players at that time were, yes. were, were, were Gary Blackbird, right? Michael. Mike, um, did you say Mike uh, Hampton? Was he still there? It was Gary Blackbird, Michael Hampton. Um, guitar, we're talking about guitar players. Yeah, guitar players. Correct? Yeah. Okay, it was Gary. It was Gary. It was Michael Hampton. It was Blackbird. It was myself. And then Boogie came back. When we hit Europe uh, in the early 90s, Boogie came back, and then Billy Bass came back. So it was all of those guitar guys looking at me like, what the hell are you doing up here? You used to pick us up from the airport. <laughs> <laughs> when, when did you first uh, go with the wedding dress? 
Man. Ah, I, was hate, I, was, I was hating this part. Here we go. <clears throat> Gary Scheider, I won't say too much, because I already know you know. But Gary Scheider did some really fucked up shit to me. Very fucked up. So we got through that. After he did this particular thing, George Clinton's come to Detroit, to my own mother's house, and asked me not to do something so this thing could keep moving. I said yes. That particular summer, I got engaged. So my mother and the chick that I was getting ready to get married to said, well, since it's so fucked up with you and George Clinton, and you just in insisting upon going back, since you are getting married and all of those guys are acting all weird, why don't you show your balls and wear a wedding gown to show your solidarity to your new wife and your relationship to P-Funk? I said, you guys are fucking crazy. This is my mother and my future wife at the time. I mauled it over for about three days, a couple bottles of Jack Daniels, thought about it. I said, I'll do it. Boy, oh boy, did I know that was, I didn't know that was going to turn into that. I just did it one time, because I was dared by my mother and my ex-wife at the time. I was dared to do that, and I did that. It was no pre-thought. It was nothing. It was a joke, and it, and, and it took off from there. It was a joke, man. Well, how I can say that now, 30 years later, it was a joke. How'd you, how'd you decide after the one time that it would go the next night? When George called me an ugly bitch. <laughs> he walked up to me and said, you ugly bitch. And I go, right now, I got him. And I kept it up. <laughs> that's, what, that's why I kept it up. He called me an ugly bitch. He go, you, ain't nobody going to marry you ugly, you ugly bitch. And right then, I knew that it was cool. <laughs> so I kept it up. Well, you know, ask I mean, him. you know, I'm asking him. I ain't lying. Hey, you know what? It was funkadelic as far as I'm concerned. Me. And, and I think that's what he was telling me, too, Scott. You know, I'm making a joke about it, but I think that's what he was telling me, too. You know, because, OK, OK, shit, I got to tell you the truth. The first night I did that, he stood back and watched me make, you know, come on stage in his group. He stood back and watched the whole audience response. He watched everything. George is not a dumb man. George Clinton is a very smart motherfucker. Okay? He watched the response, and it did not bother him. It gave him more time to stay in the back and do what the fuck he was doing. Okay? Until he felt like coming out. He never asked me to stop. Uh, the only thing he said to me regarding that was when I put out that first Andre album, I'm Funkin' I'm Proud, in Japan, and they wanted to use the, the wedding dress, and he told me I couldn't, that record. And he told me I couldn't do that because that wasn't his, he's, that wasn't his trademark. And I go, that's the reason I'm doing it, because it's my trademark. And he didn't like that. But other than that, I think he was cool. You know, even he introduced me to Prince with that shit on. You know, it was cool. You know, shit. Yeah, you got to meet Prince? Yeah, man, on several occasions. Matter of fact, we were supposed to do a project. Prince asked George Clinton if Gary Scheider and me could do a project. For some reason, it got blocked. Hmm. It didn't happen. Mudbone Cooper. You know who Mudbone is. Mm -hmm. Mudbone came to me and said, you know, uh, Prince wants to do a project with you and Gary. Gary came over and said, yeah, Dre Prince wants to do something with us. When we get back to the States, we're going to work it out. We got back to the States. We heard nothing else about it. So, I don't know. But I know Prince dug where we was coming from. You know, I wasn't gay. You know, I wasn't drag dressing. Even though I was wearing, you know, all that crazy girl shit. I, it never dawned on me. I got more pussy wearing that shit than I ever did. <laughs> Yeah, Prince definitely didn't worry about that kind of stuff either. Um, 
Heck no. Heck no. I heard there was one time when uh, the band was playing at Paisley Park or something, and uh, Gary was all sweaty, and Prince came out, and Gary just put his arm right around him, and Prince uh, didn't seem to take too kindly and to Prince get left. <laughs> yeah. He didn't like it. Yeah. He didn't like it. He did not like it. But, see, I don't want to say too much about that. Gary ain't here. You know, we had some issues and stuff. You know, sometime, man, if you're a funky motherfucker, you ain't got to touch no clean guy. I'm sorry. I don't care who you are. You know, so and I, I know Prince didn't take too kindly to that. But, you know, all these guys, I got to say it again, now, these are rock star guys we're talking about in the in the sense of, in the sense of that, of their being, in the sense of their being. So uh, all those years that Mr. Scheider, you know, I'm, Prince ain't the first one that he touched if somebody didn't like what was left, a little something with him. You know what I'm trying to say? So yeah. in, in doing that, if that was their meaning of what they were doing, I don't doubt them anymore. I just can laugh right now and go, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's all I can say, you know. And fortunately, Prince wasn't in George's band, so he ain't have to deal with that shit. Think about the people that were in the band who had to deal with it. Yeah. Right? Well, I've heard stories. And I'm, that's as nice as I could say that. I've heard stories, too, that I won't share here. Um, well, we don't have to. Yeah. We don't have to. Yeah. This record, right. though, going back right. to to this, Andre... How much work went into this? Yes, I'm and, listening. And, and, and how how do you feel about the result? Here's the deal with that. That record was done on uh, on my budget with Mr. Don Davis at Grooveville. That was not a P Funk production. That was an Andre Fox Williams production. I feel wonderful about it. I feel that back then it may have got blocked because. You, Right when I mention that, there comes a beater or you incorporate the thing. You feel where I'm going with this? Yeah. All of that material on that CD that you just showed, that you posted up, kind of went out the window because I got sidetracked being a, a geeky. Oh, well, shit, George got a better situation. Maybe I'll get finished and get my deal. Well, that backfired. Uh, that's another story. But I think my production was great. And I still feel good, good about that record. And uh, some of my subsequent productions may not have been up that standard, but that one I feel good about because I had full control of that. Absolute full control. And I think the work shows it. Yeah. Did it ever get released? That's with, not with my band, with George's band too. Did it ever it got get released in Japan only. Only Japan. Um, it got released in the United States half-assed by uh, my friend Clip's label, We Funk. I did a thing uh, called the um, Dossier of Sex and Animals, which was a few songs off of that album that you just showed. So it really never really, 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 really got released in the States. Clip was kind enough to put it on his record, on his, on his label uh, back then, which really, I mean, it did what it did. It didn't do nothing for me monetarily, but it got around the states in a little bit. So actually, if I wanted to go to a place that I never heard of on this planet, that's still a brand new record. <laughs> it's got that cut pizzazz on there that you mentioned earlier. Um, yes. So, so people know. And um, I really like uh, Squirrel Looking for a Nut. It's one of my favorites. That was the first song I wrote for that album. That was the very first song I wrote for that album. And again, that pizzazz tune was given to me later because George was making a deal with Mr. Don Davis at United Sounds, and I don't know what they did. At the time when he gave me that track from him and Bootsy, I thought it was a good thing. I thought he was being, and maybe he thought he was being a, a, a mellow gentleman too by saying, hey, forget all that work you did. Here's a song that's your single. Fuck, it was a disco song. The rest of that album ain't disco. But they went for it. It was Don and him. I had nothing to do with it. So... It's still a good record. That's the only song that I did not produce all by myself as Pizzazz. Mm -hmm. um, so, matter of fact, George Clinton and Boosie didn't even come to the studio when I put 
my vocals on it. This is how much they gave a care about it. They didn't even come to the studio when I put my vocals on it. They weren't even there. <laughs> did did either of them? They got their money and bounced. They weren't even there. Did either of them ever tell you what they thought what? of 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 your version of it? Nothing. Nothing. Huh. Nothing ever. Hmm. Ever. Now I have heard some some rumors about George Clinton saying some negative things about my work back then, but I didn't hear it personally. So far as I'm concerned, that's 30 years ago and that's hearsay. Okay. But no, no, they never said it. Uh, we like it. You could have did. Nothing was ever said until George Clinton and Mr. Don Davis went and made that deal in Japan for that record you're looking at. And guess what? Didn't tell me. <laughs> I found out the hard way. Them guys. Tell you about them old fucking music guys. They fucking shit. You you also uh But that was back then and that is all it's all forgiven. You also you also played on the Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, what? record? No. 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 I sang on the Red Hot Chili Peppers record. The Red Hot Chili Peppers played on my record. Reputation. That was my record. George Clinton wasn't even in the damn studio. And all of a sudden, it's a Red Hot Chili Pepper record. Look at it. You looking at it, I'm fucking I'm proud. It says featuring the Red Hot Chili Peppers. They played on my record. I only sung on their record. <laughs> no. And me and Cliff Payne was the first black Red Hot Chili Peppers. Because the Rock Blast concert in Germany, we were the background singers. Me, Cliff, and my cousin, uh, the legendary Pat Lewis. That's my first cousin, too. We were the first black Red Hot Chili Peppers on that on that particular tour. So, no, I didn't play on the Red Hot Chili Peppers anything. We sung on that record uh, on Capitol when they came to Detroit. But they, I don't want to say too much, we were young, wild kids. They was hanging out with me. We were doing shit. They played on my record. Let's, let's get that first and foremost. And you motherfuckers, you owe me money for putting that record out on your record. You owe me. But I still love y'all. <laughs> yeah. Freaky styly indeed. Real talk, man. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great record. I love those guys. And, and those are my friends, man. And I'm pretty sure... This reputation that they put out was not by their own doing. I know George has something to do with it. And whatever they had to do, do that. Just take care of me now. Whatever you guys did in the past, shit's still getting sold. Things are, things are what it is. If you don't pay me, just acknowledge me. And stop playing games. I ain't not one of them funkadelics from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. I'm a third generation of that. And I made contributions to Mr. Clinton's catalog. And I'm proud of that. Yeah, so what was the last record that you contributed to? Was it uh, Tepoa Foam? Yes, I didn't really, I didn't write anything, man. I just sang on that record. I wasn't allowed to, uh, my songs wasn't allowed to be on that record. Right before that, I think it was something called the um, the Dope Dogs album or something like that. Yeah. Uh, U.S. Custom Coast Guard, whatever that was. I wrote that track, which somehow they tried to say I didn't. <laughs> but anyway, that was my real last musical contribution to those guys. And when did you stop touring with them? You know. Which time? <laughs> George fired me more than he fired any damn body. Which time you talk about, Scott? Uh, the, I don't know. The I think last I time. finally stopped. I think I finally stopped. Okay, the last time. Thank you, because uh, there's so many in Georgia. Tell you, like 2016. You know, uh, he did a nice thing for me. As much as he hates me, he loves my children. So my daughter graduated from high school, and she said, "Dad, what I want from high school is you and my granddad George, because she called him Grandpa. You know, she was a baby. I want you to play." On a, with him, so I called him and his, you know, Carline, and they 
they, you know, they sent me a plane ticket and all that stuff, and I played the show. My, my daughter, when she graduated, she got a chance to see me one last time with him. And that was kind of it. But I thank him for doing that. That was nice of him to do that. But guess what he told me? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Real talk. Real talk. What what year was the last like full full like tour that you did? My last full tour with them simps had to be around 2012, 2013. My 2014, as a matter of fact, was my last I can't get no more. What do you think of um, the current band? Are you surprised that it's still going, even with, uh, I mean, COVID-19 aside, they were still playing shows um, with the grandkids and all that? I think that, as I said earlier in this conversation, George used what he needs to keep going. I think the band that's with him when when they go back out, you know, you know, I got to look at it like how I, how we looked when we came in in the late '80s to the people that were before us. You know what I'm trying to say? They were probably going, "What are you doing with these cats?" You know. So I got to take that same stance and go. I understand what he's doing with these cats. Take. I don't want to to, to harp on the fact that it's his grandkids and a few other people when at one point he called me a, a son. You can look at it on one of them George Clinton family series records, whatever. You know what I'm saying? So there was a time he felt that way about me, but these are his blood kids. I'm not saying that I don't like the band. I don't like the group. I love the group. I love that he's continuously going on with it. I just want him to tell them how important I was to him. I don't care what you think about what I think about them. He needs to tell them what he thought about me and others that helped keep that shit rolling. Now, now I haven't heard a hit record from none of them yet. <laughs> so, you know, and it might not even be about a hit record, brother. It might be just about a groove thing. George Clinton deserves to have a groove thing. You know, and if that's what he thinks his thing is, I love him for that. I'm not, I'm not freaking with him about that anymore. So I'm cool with him. Uh, to ask you a question, I think he did the right thing by trying to keep the band going, and I just hope he can keep the band going and, and, and the crowd keep liking what he's doing. I'm not there anymore, and I don't wish any harm on him. You know? Yeah, I mean, I'm. Still, I don't. I'm glad they're still going. I mean, who thought that George pushing 80 years old would still be on the road? George is 90 fucking years old. He's lying. You know damn well they started lying in the 40s. That motherfucker's 100. Right? <laughs> George, I mean that with all respect, bro. I know you're 100. Andre, what what would you say was your <laughs> I most... I ain't mad at him, Scott. What? I ain't mad at him. What, what, was, what was your most unforgettable memory being on the road with uh, Funkadelic? When I fell off the mothership and broke my leg and they left me in Fort Mason, uh, Fort Mason, uh, where was we at? It was somewhere, but I broke my leg, and they left me there. When I when 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 shit got bad, they didn't look out for me. That's all. I had to take them to court. That's that's the only bad thing I have, and that was kind of resolved because you see, he hired me back. He did, so he must have knew he was fucked up too by doing that. But I don't think a lot of those decisions were his. He was listening to a lot of the wrong people. And sometimes, okay, okay, I'm gonna strike that. That was the worst for me. Other than, I mean, there's something else that I don't want to say because I don't want to tarnish what people think about those other members in the band. But something else really bad happened, and I don't want to talk about it. What What about the flip side? What was the best memory from the road? When George Clinton walked up to me and said. He was happy with my performance. And that will always stick with me. He said he was happy with my performance. And that meant a lot. Hey, dude, this was before the wedding gown and for all of that shit. It was before all of that. You did? And he said, I guess, you know, because I guess they would like listen to the tapes after the show or something. 
you know? And we all doing our crazy stuff. And one day he walked over to me, him and Belita Woods were together back then. Not together as a couple, but they, you know, were hanging out. And he walked over and said, hey, man, I appreciate you paying attention to the parts, and I like what you're doing. That was my best, only best memory from that shit. With, with all know. those, with all those guitar players, I, I mean, ain't no, ain't no fabulous, huh, huh? I was gonna say, with all those guitar players, was it hard to find your little spot, your spots? No, because they told me what to play. <laughs> no, I didn't have to find a spot. You got to remember something, Scott. I was playing parts that were already laid down. You know what I mean? So, I. I might have been playing a Tal Ross part taught through somebody else that I ended up with that part because they're doing something else. I was taught parts. No matter what I learned, I was taught parts. Uh, uh, Blackbird McKnight taught me parts. Gary Scheider taught me parts. Eddie Hazel taught me parts. Bernie Worrell taught me parts. It was very rare that I got to stretch out. I'm probably the only member of P-Funk that you've never seen take a solo because all of the solos that I took for George were so fucking good the other people that weren't there to do their parts got mad at me for being that good. That's, well, Real was, talk. You can ask them. That's why I was kind of surprising to hear some of your solos on your own records. I'm like, damn. Well, Scott, you got to remember something. Those people were there before me. So they were still pecking their way. You, you know, I didn't understand it then, but I understand it now. Those guys, man, can you imagine if George had said, you stand back, we got this young guy finna come in there? I would have lasted a year. Man, George Clinton decided who got the fame, who got the shots. And, 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 and whoever else was bitching, there was a bunch of babies over there any damn way. You dig? So depending on who cried the loudest, that's who he listened to. No matter how good I played. No matter. I used to get yelled at by the band members because I kept my costumes clean, sent them to the dry cleaners. My shit wasn't stanky like theirs. <laughs> yeah, I said it. <laughs> Had to play that Man. ego game. Well, that's what it was, and I dealt with it. And it was a whole. It's a lot of other things that I don't want to divulge right now because I don't think his fans, my fans, your fans, and friends need to hear the deep down dirty sh shit that actually was going down. George had nothing to do with it, but he permitted it. I'm gonna put it like that. I don't think he had anything to do with it. He probably didn't know he was doing his George Clinton shit. But it was a lot of negative, you know, a lot of negative stuff. And you must, must, one thing you must remember, I was their driver. I was the guy they bossed around. I was the guy going to pick up the groupies and bringing them to them. I was the guy that had the groupies giving them to, to them early on. And then you, all y'all are still alive, you know who I'm talking to. Damn it. So... I came in on the short end of the stick, and I think I got the short end of the stick, so I really didn't lose shit. And I'm cool with it, bro. I played with some of the best musicians in the world. No doubt. And not only played with them, stayed there with them and played alongside of them for years. So whether I get my recognition or my any of that, it doesn't matter to me because I know I did. And they know I did. Mr. Clinton knows that I was a part of his organization. And deep down in his heart, I am. I bet he knows I still am. All you got to do is ask me. That's all you got to do. What, what was That's it, simple. What was it, talking about that, what was it like, describe if you can, being on stage with that band locked in, to like, you know, Mothership Connection Groove or Dr. Funkenstein Groove or something yep. like that and just being part of that and locked in. What was that like? Well, it was like a puzzle, Scott. I was a piece of puzzle in the field at the time it needed to be fit. Okay? It felt good knowing that 
locked in to those particular grooves are what those superheroes needed to continue to do what they were doing. You got to remember something. I was nothing but a Band-Aid. Okay? So to answer your question, it felt good to me to be accepted by them. It felt good to me to know that George Clinton knew that when he opened his ears up, he was going to hear what the hell he wanted to hear. So it felt good to me being a part of that collective. It felt good for me. And some nights it didn't because I fucked up sometimes. You know. But a lot of times, for the most part, I was on point. <laughs> and plus, I was playing somebody else's parts. You dig? You had to understand something, Scott. I'm playing some pre-recorded parts. These guys been doing this same show for fucking ever. I come in to help them do that same show. So you got to understand something. I was playing predetermined parts. Every once in a while, I got to stretch, and I did my little thing and added to whatever. You know, a lot of times Michael didn't show it. I don't want to go into all that. But a lot of times I got to fill up some space. But for the most part, brother, I was playing predetermined parts. So that's a hard, those are hard shoes to fill. When you play in parts that Eddie Hazel played, that Tal Ross played, that Billy played, that Boogie played. You understand what I'm trying to say? That Harold Bean played. You know, it, it, those are big shoes. No matter how diminutive they made me feel doing it. Nah, man, you're walking in giant shoes right there. For sure. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So that's what I was doing. Only thing that d differentiated me was I created my own image playing those guys' parts. Not their parts in life. Their parts on records. I create my own, own visual image. That's my contribution to P-Funk. People went to the concerts wearing wedding gowns and, and nuns, you know, talking about, let me talk to Dre. That might have pissed the doctor off. It might have pissed the band off. But I brought something to the party visually when we started touring again. I brought something to the party, which I'm proud of. It wasn't gay. It wasn't transvestite. It wasn't LPQYH plus seven. It wasn't none of that shit. I was just doing it because my mother and my wife dared me to do it. And before that, the, 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 the shit I was doing, brother, I wasn't trying to be either way. It was like, this is Monkadelic. They want to see we giving them a show. You know, so I don't have any regrets, man. I don't feel nothing no more. I don't feel nothing. Who, um, it was cool. Who in, the, cool. who in the band of all those cats that you played with um, just maybe blew your socks off musically? Was it Bernie or who would it be? Oh, man, George Clinton. It was him. To tell me if you want to know the truth, it was him. It wasn't about who played what. It was, it was about the dude pulling the damn strings. I was more enthralled by how he made it work. So to answer your question, he is the one that blew my mind. He may not ever say this in public. He knows every part on every fucking record that he did. He can walk up to you and go, no, it go like this. So I think that he blew my mind more than anybody. You know, not taking anything away from the musician, Scott. You know, like Skeet, Skeet, Skeet was super, super dominant. And I'm, I'm a, nobody ever knew this. I'm a drummer and a bassist. I got the job playing guitar with George because I played guitar with his son. None of them fuckers ever knew I was actually a bass player. Skeet Curtis, kind of my Bootsy, of course. But I think it was George himself that blew me away out of everybody. Now, how on top of it he actually is. Blew me away. Even when he was cracked out. Wow. On top of it. Wow. And, and I mean, I think yeah. back in the day before he yeah, shot him. Before he shot his voice, I think he was a very unique singer, too, back in the day. I think so. I think so, too. But when you say he shot his voice, he put the right other voices around him to keep the thing. This oh, yeah. is why I say he was more important to me than any of them cats, because he knew what to do. And that's all I'm going to keep saying. It. I think he was more influential on my growth than anybody. Well, Eddie Hazel lived with me for four years. He taught me all of those guitar parts, all of them. But still, me and Eddie used to just have fun. George was George. was George. You, you do this or get the fuck out of here. 
you know. But not saying it like that, but I knew when he didn't want me playing guitar in the studio, he made it very fucking clear. <laughs> so it don't matter to me. But George is the one, I have to, he's the one who made the difference for me. Are you talking about uh, George's singing? Eddie could sing pretty well too, but uh, we didn't get to hear it very much. Well, Eddie's stuff, let me see here again, all of that stuff was before me. All of that killer stuff that Eddie and all those guys were doing, Scott, you have to understand, up until Atomic Dog, you know, Eddie was living with me when they recorded Atomic Dog, begging me to come to the studio, and I wouldn't because me and George had a fallout about me being with Don Davis, which he still ended up giving me pizzazz and fucked up my other shit. So all of that to say, George has always been the ringleader. And Eddie was a great singer. Boogie was a great singer. Billy was a great singer. Tal Ross was a great singer. There was a bunch of them. And, and two generations before them, because I subsequently found out that everybody we thought were the original Parliament Fuckadelics aren't. George Clinton been doing this shit since the dinosaurs was walking. Man, there's other people, the Boyce Brothers, you know, there's a whole bunch of other people that were that band before who they call in the original. George Clinton is the only original. Period. Period. And, and as much as I hate to admit that, I have to be proud to admit that because this is a fact that I know. And what are none of them cats original? None of them, but George Clinton. And I'm talking about from the parliaments, the Funkadelic, nothing. Mr. Clinton is the most consistent one of that thing. And this is why I will say to you and whoever you show this to, I love and respect that guy for what he accomplished, what he, what he allowed me to do. But I also have to say this. Don't ask me some shit that you don't want to know. That's all I'm going to say. And I, I respect him, and I will pray that he respects me. But all of the questions you're asking me, there was a lot of people involved. But Mr. Clinton is the one, period. Now, not how he feels about me, not how I feel about his ass. He's the one, and I respect him for being that guy. And if it had not been for that guy, I wouldn't be talking to you right now, period. I can't argue that. that. Guy. I can't argue that, man. Um. Let's talk a little that bit. guy, and I'm not ashamed to say it. Andre, let's talk a little bit more about your own, your own stuff. Um, you did um, uh, the Fox Files, which you mentioned, also Millennium, and uh, which was no more than a re-release of the, which was no more than a release of the I'm Funk and I'm Proud. It was on my buddy Clips label from P Funk. You know what I mean? The Fox Files. If you look at both of those things, you'll see some of the same songs. But I substituted some other things, clips release. That's all. But more recently, I think it only came out digitally. You had the uh, Psychedelic Ghetto Pimps uh, record, Foxman yeah. Productions. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. You know, what, what went into that and uh, how do you feel about it? <laughs> That's funny. Okay. <laughs> I really never finished that product, man. That project, I really never finished it. But. It was a time for me to recognize a lot of people that I had been recording with before I got with George and after I got with George. My friends here in Detroit, some friends in New York that thought that I was like forgetting that, that we work together, you know, we, people, whatever they got to do, music or whatever the hustle is, and that's it. It wasn't about no pimping, it wasn't about no holes and nothing. That was a ghetto, meaning whatever we got to do to keep the music going. And I did that, like I say, so my friends that I have been recording with, who never got a chance to record with George, some of them met him, but I did that so they could be a part of my experience, which made them a part of, made me a part of their experience. And some of the songs on that record, I think is pretty good, but a lot of it I didn't finish. You know, I ain't tripping. I ain't tripping it. But yeah, that was a good project, man. My acting, my fiance did the album cover for that. And that's, yeah, I mean, she's artistic. She's like, well, this is what it sounded like to me. On, on that record, yeah, the cover, the artwork was cool. Um, and um, yeah. there was some good stuff on there, but I got to say not all of um, the the recording quality wasn't as good as it could be on some of it. And and I was I would say again, I am totally aware of that. Um, 
<laughs> a lot of things that weren't finished, we attributed to it being a ghetto, a ghetto pimp record. So everything wasn't going to be great. Some things are great, some things are not. We left it open for conjecture. We left it open for uh, criticism. I personally left it open like that because I wasn't doing anything and George had just fired me again for some fucked up reason because I went and played with Macy Gray and Tony Allen in Africa. And I, I didn't have to ask his damn permission, but I asked, he said, cool, when I came back, people were in, in his ear and he dissed me. So those were some of the things that I had been working on and didn't get a chance to finish. And I said again, through my loyalty to my musician friends, I put it out anyway. And the next one will be better. So, hey, when you get when you get fired by George, does he fire you in person, or or do his people let you know? So no, you get fired by him. You get fired through the through the chain of get fired. And when you get hired back by him, you get back changed. So it's the same. That's what I figured. And I'm cool with that. I never said, Dre, I'm not going to deal with you. Somebody else said something. When I went to him, he couldn't tell me why I was fired. He could not tell me. Never did. But, okay. But when he hired me back, he didn't tell me why he hired me back either. You understand? Yeah. So it was never, uh, you hired because of this, you fired because of this. Whoever the fuck was in his ear, that's who he listened to. Plus, and plus, you got to remember something. I'm Andre Fox, baby. I come in hard. I look good. I smell good. I play good. And I leave good. And they couldn't handle that. So the next time you hire me, George, watch out. <laughs> I'm coming. <laughs> so what, what, are you, what are you working on now? I, I, got, I love that guy. What, what hey, you man, I, I'm... I'm um, I got really blessed. When George Clinton fired me, I got hired by Tony Allen for me. So I have been doing great. Unfortunately, Tony Allen has just passed away. And uh, last summer, he was here in Detroit. We did a lot of recording, him, Amp Fiddler, myself, and a couple other people, Kalugbo in, in Africa. Uh, um, um, I'm involved in a project right now that my dear brother Amp Fiddler is doing as a tribute to Mr. Tony Allen. I wrote an Afrobeat song with me and Tony. Uh, I think uh, Roy Ayers is going to be a participant. You know, I'm feeling myself. And I'm doing good. Now, this this is good positive stuff. These are really good productions. Um, and I'm happy to be a part of that. I started another record on the Andre Fox uh, brand. I put a song out, Shake Your Funky Booty, a while back, which did pretty good. You know, made me a little bit of money you know, in this thing. Um, I plan on finishing that project with a few more, few members of the Ghetto Pimps, and I think Cliff Payne might be on this one because, uh, you know, he's been my boy since forever, so he might be on this one. I, he hasn't committed yet, but I hope he will. And that, that, that'll that be finished pretty soon. And then after that, uh, due to the uh, state of affairs we're all in, I don't really know what I'm going to do as far as getting stuff out, who's going to be interested or whatever, or if I'm going to have to go into the catering business, I don't know what's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? I didn't really mean that. I ain't going to cater shit. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. I just got a few more tracks to finish, and they sounded pretty good, and they are more completed. And I, like I said, that ghetto pimp thing is a psychedelic ghetto pimp. What do you expect it to sound like? <laughs> that. But I made money on that bad boy. I made money on that bad boy. So I ain't mad at it, you that's know? Good, and if good. I ever if I ever get a chance to perform any of those songs live, you'll hear what they really sound like. Because I'm not going back and refinish them. I'm doing something else. You know, oh, for, I did a, say, a song with Amy Grant, legendary Amy Grant, the gospel chick. I did a great song with her called All the Praise. And uh, it's been doing pretty well for me. You know, I do have some... You know, some other kind of bones in my body that ain't funk. You know what I mean? Yeah, so some people still like me. <laughs> so, 
Is there anything else <laughs> that uh, we haven't covered that you'd like to get off your chest? I want to say that for anybody that sees this, I thank you, Scott. You know, I know it's been a, a, a while hunting my silly butt down. Sorry it took so long, but I really didn't have anything to say that would have been positive at that time. I want to say that I am still going to keep my funk on. I got my armor up. Um, uh, Mr. George Clinton and I are okay. And I, and I say this, every time he kicks me out of somewhere that I show up, that means he loves me. <laughs> you know? Because the last time he was in Detroit, he kicked me out of Detroit. You know, that's what. They keep on kicking me out. I'm on your mind, and you like me, and I love you. And I think that what's going to happen, I think George and I will be doing something together again moving forward. Uh, let me just, let me stop playing with you. I think he will work together again. He knows I'm a dynamic writer. He knows he needs stuff, you know, from, from, from a head that's not what he's getting right now. His young kids, you asked me something that I tried to avoid, but I'll get back to it. He's got a lot of his grandchildren kids and those young ones writing you know that trap music or whatever they doing and that's and that's cool but i know in his heart of hearts he knows what he really needs to have to go along with that i think he knows that i can help like i've always done and i don't hold any grudges but damn it i'm gonna say what i want to say about you for you and against you and with you because everything that was said about me i had to swallow and I have swallowed, and it has not wavered the way I think about him. Sometimes I love him a lot. Sometimes we don't get along. But he's not the end all, the be all, and I'm not either. So I think he, he and I will work together. I wish him nothing but the best. And everybody in his band, grandkids or not, funk on y'all, because I was in that position that they were. I was just playing guitar. And I love him. And I love him. And I really do. Well, now it, it would seem like the perfect time to woodshed like a lot of uh, studio tracks, you know, so. Not only is it time for me to woodshed, I got a multitude of great stuff uh, that I'm about to light them up with. But I have to be honest with you. There are a couple that I want to shop to Mr. Clinton because I know they're perfect for him to take me out of the mix. You know what I'm saying? It ain't got to be me. There are a couple that I think he would like. You got to get him down there to Tallahassee, I guess. Well, you know what? That's so funny. I'm going to get him to Tallahassee, but I'm going to wait until they are wanted. Not just going to send him so he can go, ah. I'm going to wait until they're wanted, bro. You know, it's summertime now. Look at me. It's summertime. You know, this winter thing is over. It's, it's warm. We can, we can be ourselves. You know what I'm saying? And hopefully, you know, this climate will make him hear what I'm talking about or what I got to bring to the party because I'm very saddened with the state of affairs in America. I'm very saddened. But I've been black all my mm -hmm. life. Like I told you earlier in this thing, I got my ass whooped by the, PD, the LAPD. Even though I want a settlement, it's still on my mind. I got three grown black sons three grown daughters that I worry about every day that ask me the same question. When you and George going to get back cool? I wish nothing more than for me and him to be cool and record together before, before we can't. I wish nothing more than that. I, I, and that's all I can say. If it happens, it happens. If it don't, it don't. Because my shit is still good. So I'm good. You know, it's good. And especially the stuff that's finished. <laughs> Well, look, Andre. We hope we hope that happens. And? We hope that happens with George, and always look forward to your stuff, regardless. And uh, you thank know, you, Scott. I'm so glad we could finally connect like this. And thanks for sharing those stories. Yeah. Hey, back at Truth and Rhythm headquarters. Thank you for joining us on another magical ride with Truth and Rhythm. Whether you're watching or listening, as always, thank you so much for your continued interest and support. Be sure to subscribe. Go to YouTube. Go to the Funkin' Stuff channel. That's where Truth and Rhythm lives and breathes and thrives. Also, goodies here like TIR Quick Takes. And if you subscribe, you know what? You get the show before anyone else. It's free. If you love jazz, funk, R&B, soul, you can't miss it. Pass it along. 
tell a friend, tell family. This audience is growing and it is a beautiful thing all coming together for the love of this great music. Also, if you can throw us a buck or two, we could use the support financially, keeping the lights on, keeping the servers going, all these expenses. If you can help support the program, whatever you can give, much appreciated. Go to the FunkinStuff.net website, and on the right-hand side of every page, you just click and you can donate through PayPal, credit card, whatever. Very easy to do and so much appreciated. And if you do a sizable donation, I will mention you on the program. Also drop me a line. Email me at scottg at funkinstuff.net. Let me know who else you'd like to see on the show, what you enjoy about the music. Let's just kibitz and uh, talk about stuff, you know, talk music. You'll find that I respond very quickly, and I much enjoy the uh, rapport and the camaraderie and the interaction. Always remember, this is your show, The True Music Lover. So for now, that's all the time we have for this one. It's a wrap. As always, Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one. <laughs>